Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team to left center deep gone brewers lead it and a swing and a miss he struck him out down the line and that's the ball game hey brewers fans welcome to episode 22 of brewers Ooh. unfiltered christian yelich i know that one yeah the mm-hmm. christian yelich episode if you will who is he our I guest tim's very excited to talk about no he's not our guest <laughs> but a certain walk-off hero is our guest but we'll get on into that in a second first i'm brad ford social media manager for the milwaukee brewers i'm joined by the man with two bobbleheads this year tim dillard (laughs) getting recognized all over i don't even have one i feel a little insulted but i guess i'm not as big a deal shave i gave you a bobblehead what'd you do with it you gave it away didn't you no no i have your bobbleheads i don't have a bobblehead of me (laughs) (laughs) okay i don't have one of those either and the baseball genius, Adam McCalvey. <laughs> Guys, how we doing? Mm-hmm. Great. Good morning. Feels like it's 6.20 in the morning. It's early. Well, and we were all up a little extra long because of some late night dramatics yesterday. I mean, what can we say? Keston Hira, when you needed him in a big spot this season, he seemed to come up big. A second walk-off homer of the year. Yeah, I think he was uh, inspired by his chat with Brewers Unfiltered podcast earlier in the day. Had he to just be. decided to go out and have a big night for us and, and let us, <laughs> you know, get some ears on the podcast. Yep, because what did we do the first thing Keston gets in the building? Producer Ezra runs down, tracks him down, says, hey, Keston, you agreed to do this podcast. Get in this room right now. <laughs> and we force him to talk to Adam and Tim. So why don't we hear right away from the hero of yesterday, Keston Hira. Uh, We are sitting here with the Brewers player who owns the team's highest OPS because we don't mess around with second or third place on this podcast. He's Keston Hira. He has an 840 OPS as we sit here talking on Monday afternoon. And Keston, thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, Keston, I want to start because as I said, we're, we're, we're talking to you on Monday afternoon. Yesterday was sort of Garrett Mitchell's big day. Were you, did you have like all the memories flooding back? And secondly, uh, did you give him a hard time for waiting until his second at bat to get his first hit? <laughs> oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think all the memories definitely flood back. Um, I think I even told someone, I think, uh, Matt Erickson asked me about, you know, my first, uh, my first hit, my debut and all that. And, I uh, told me, yeah, I wasted no time around and, and uh, line, line one off of Eikhoff's butt, like 104 <laughs> or something for an infield single. So, uh, but no, I mean, it, it's definitely, it's a special day, um, regardless of 
who you are. It, it's a moment you're, you're never going to forget. Um, obviously, from a kid, that's something you dream of your whole life. And, you know, for it to actually happen, for it to be uh, to happen in real life, have your family there. Um, I'm not sure. I think a lot of his family was there. I'm not sure friends or anything, but um, it, it's just a special day all around. Um, I think in my case, uh, I, I debuted the, the morning I got there. Um, and I remember running on like three hours of sleep and uh, Gary was saying the same exact thing. Like he found out around midnight, um, you know, his flight was at 7 a.m. But by the time he uh, told his family, packed up, got all of his stuff ready, uh, and there's just so much adrenaline that he barely even slept at all. So uh, it's definitely, I'm sure, a common common story for a lot of players in, in the league. Yeah, Kesson, uh, thanks for doing this. Hey, I was going to ask you, um, so you're, you're, you've been bouncing back and forth this year, and in particular to Mitchell as well, but what is the biggest jump from AAA to the big leagues? Because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, AAA is so far this way and big leagues are so much better, or AA has all the prospects or something like that, but what's a, what's a pretty good indicator from AAA to the big leagues, that jump right there? Yeah, I mean, I think at, at the AAA level, uh, there's immense talent. You know, you have veterans who've done it for some time. Um, you have prospects coming up and, and doing their thing. Um, I think, you know, for the biggest part, you know, what I recognize is probably pitching. Um, and I think pitchers are a little more uh, established up in the big leagues. And, um, you know, they're, they're able to kind of do what they want up, up at the plate. And, uh, you know, obviously you have all the scouting reports. You have all the, um, the metrics on, you know, how to pitch to a guy. And um, I think that's – definitely more focused on uh, up at the big league level than the triple level. So I, mean, I think it, from all, all around standpoint, probably pitching uh, would be the biggest difference. You know, they're just able to locate well, able to keep you off balance, um, kind of pitch to, to the speed of the game uh, versus, you know, going out there and, and getting their pitches in or innings in and uh, you know whatnot. So I think that, that's kind of been the biggest uh, difference I've noticed from, from, you know, the triple level to the big league level. Any particular pitcher you face in 2019 that's probably the most <laughs> menacing pitcher you've ever faced? <laughs> oh, man. What a oh, roundabout way to get I to this. I still remember that day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think you jammed me, and I had no idea where the ball went. And, and next yeah. thing I knew, it was uh, it was like a ground ball down the line for a double. So, I mean, I'll take it. Ooh. That's the way I remember it, too. Broke cough, your bat four Dillard. pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, is that the yeah. only at bat? Is that the only? No, I think you got it. You got a double off me like the next day too. This was in San Antonio, um, and all I remember is because almost the exact same thing happened, but the opposite direction. You hit a double down the other line. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I've totally forgotten about it. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> hey, well, since we're talking about hitting, um, Keston, c- can you tell uh, for people who are listening and maybe don't know who Sean Thompson is? Yeah. So Sean Thompson, he's been my hitting coach since I was shoot. Uh, eight or nine years old. Um, he, uh, we came across him for, through some friends, and um, you know, at that age, you're you're just looking to get out of the house, you know, uh, kind of kill some time and and, and whatnot. Um, I'm sure parents are probably like, oh, let's just throw him out there and uh, and kind of see what happens. But uh, but no, I mean, uh, yeah, I've been seeing him since I was nine. We've been from an outdoor batting cage to an indoor batting cage to someone's backyard to you know two different facilities that he used to work at. Um, so, I mean, we've been bouncing around all over the place over in, uh, Valencia. Uh, but no, I mean, he, he's been a huge success or a huge reason for my success. Um, he, he essentially taught me how to hit. I remember at a younger age, uh, like 10 years old, you know, I was hitting everything to, to right field and to right center. And, um, you know, everyone was just like, how are you doing that? Cause you know, when you're a younger age, you, everyone's pulling the ball and, 
Um, you know, but I was I was driving the ball the other way, and uh, it's something that just over the years that I kind of kept with. And um, but no, he he's been he's been my guy. He's been the person to you know I talk to you know every every season, and um, you know whether it's baseball related or not baseball related, and he he's my guy, and uh, I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me. I don't know if he ever told you this, but he texted me in spring training this year, and I went down and sat with him for like five innings of a game of a Cactus League game. I think he, he likes to keep a lot of things hush hush himself. He, he is he, your number. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure your family are your number one fan. So like, he is one A man. He could like watch you play baseball all day. It's got to feel good to have somebody like in your corner, no matter good, bad, middle, whatever. Like that guy is in your corner. And, and this winter was really important because you made some like significant changes, right? You guys yeah. must have spent a lot of time together. Yeah, so I think this obviously, uh, with how things kind of went last season, uh, definitely wanted to address different things and um, obviously swing related. And so normally I'll, I'll start swinging around like maybe middle of December. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give myself about a month or two off to kind of just decompress, spend time with friends and family. And um, but no, but this past off season I kind of started things up in, in November and. Um, I live out in uh, Arizona now, and you know he's still back in California. So uh, I still made a, you know a decent amount of trips out to California. Whenever I made it out there, you know I I made an emphasis to hit with him. So um, yeah, I mean he, we kind of just sat down, uh, you know, just kind of decompressed from you know everything that happened that season, um, baseball related, life related, and then just kind of attacked of what what kind of our game plan was going into. To this next season, well, into spring training, um, you know that that was kind of the focus, and uh, obviously the the lockout, you know, was happening on, and so that kind of obviously gave me some more time to kind of work with them and um, to kind of see them more and, and hit with them. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I made, I probably made about six to eight trips out to California during the off season. Uh, obviously, family related stuff too, but um, you know, but I, during those times, you know, I, I was hitting with them. So when you're on during the season. Um, and you can't always, you know, visit and see your guy and you have to do more things in the clubhouse. Which player, which teammate do you maybe talk to the most? Um, the someone that you bounce ideas off with or just the person you find yourself? Um, maybe it's your locker mate or maybe it's the you know, person you see, sit with on the plane or you probably got your own seat on the plane. I don't know how that works. <laughs> uh, but who do you talk to the most in the clubhouse? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably say Tyrone Taylor. Um, you know, obviously, we both grew up in California. Uh, you know, played with each other in the minor leagues and, and stuff. And then um, he is also have to be my locker, but uh, locker buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say he's right choice, next though. to you by choice, <laughs> by choice. Okay. That's all by choice. But um, but no, I mean, he he lives out in Arizona as well, and uh, you know, we hit a lot. You know, during the off season, and um, he actually, uh, you know, Sean came out to to hit with me and. You know, he sat in a few sessions as well, and you know, he really enjoyed everything he had to kind of say about about all that. So, uh, but no, he, he's kind of my guy. Where um, you know, we're always talking about hitting and uh, and baseball stuff. And uh, <laughs> currently, I'm I'm big on uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I can tell the future and like manifest things. So for a while, me me and him would just kind of joking jokingly go back and forth uh, about you know what's going to happen in the game or results wise or at bat wise or pitch wise. Uh, um, so now he, he's definitely my go-to guy right now. I mean, can you give us an, ex an example of that? Like, what have you? <laughs> well, shoot, how strong are your I powers? Swear, so lottery before, numbers. Uh, <laughs> Four. I think one. I think before the <laughs> all, it was before the All-Star break. Before I got sent down, um, 
there was a stretch of three or four games where I told him like almost to the dot of what I was going to do that day. Um, wow. And I remember he was, I think, was he still on the IL at that time? Uh, I think so. From the concussion. And uh, <laughs> I remember he, he had to leave because uh, he, he couldn't stay in the stadium with all the fans and lights and everything like that. So, uh, but he was like in the, in the clubhouse and then he left kind of early. And then <laughs> I come back in the clubhouse and it was after a game I hit a home run and he left like some sticky notes. Uh, just like pumping me up and saying, you know, this is like exactly what we talked about, or whatever. And then, so it's been kind of j- just a joke since, but like, I mean, even Yelly's home run last night, like I, I definitely, I told Ashby, like, um, you know, what's going to happen. And uh, obviously, you know, with the stature of Christian Yelly's, you know, there's always a chance a home run could happen. Uh, but like, I, I probably haven't said it in a while, you know, he's going to hit a homer right here. And, um, and I just felt right in the moment. And you know, next thing you know, he, he hit the homer. Uh, that was, sorry, the two nights ago, the, the first homer, the two nights ago. We try to do that in the press box too, but I usually just keep repeating things for like four <laughs> days in a row until it actually happens, and then it'd be like, "Oh, I called that." <laughs> no, I mean, I just I'm just a student of the game. Um, you know, I'm able to kind of analyze the game pretty well, and uh, I remember uh, when uh, I think we had that Apple TV game uh, with Kutch mic'd up, and I don't know if you saw like the video clips or whatever. Like me and him were sitting next to each other, and um, it was when uh, who hit the home run? Was it Tyrone? Oh, you're testing my knowledge of which uh, game was which. I can't remember, but anyways, me and him were sitting next to each other, and uh, McCutcheon uh, was you know mic'd up, and whoever was hitting you know showed bunt, and I'm like, oh shoot, you know the pitcher's like thinking, all right, right here, uh, this guy's gonna bunt, you know I'm gonna throw a slider right here because you know in theory you know off speed pitches, breaking ball pitches are harder to bunt than you know fastballs. And, sure. Um, he's going to leave one hanging and uh, he's going to hit one out. And I kid you not, next pitch, slide it right down the middle, home run. And uh, me and Kutch were just hugging it out and, like, screaming. And, like, I don't know, it's just, <laughs> it's just uh, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the game. Um, I'm able to kind of manage the game pretty well and understand, uh, you know, what's kind of going to happen in, in certain situations. And, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just a joke going around. I, I always tell people I can tell the future. I need <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, uh, but yes, you know, the game The game will show you a lot if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. And it's actually quite difficult for players in the game uh, to actually see that. So that is, oh, um, I promise, that's a very, that's a Why, that's why a do you say that, Tim? Right just there. because you're um, so dialed into your own? Well, because I was in the bullpen so long. And if I'm paying attention, you would, you kind of see guys' approach. And you're taught to do that as a bullpen guy. Because when you come in late in the game and you're facing a guy that has shot the ball to right field twice, why would you throw him first pitch heater away? You know, like there's certain things that you're going to see in the game that are going to help you once you're out there. But to do that in the moment, like when you're on the mound, Absolutely. if I'm on the mound pitching and I'm going, yeah, curveball's the right pitch. Other me sitting on the couch watching is like, dude, do not throw this guy a curveball right here. You're never going to see it again. But in the moment, it seems like it's wisdom. But when you kind of are able to step back, um, very few players can do that and see the game for what it is. So I applaud you. Um, for absolutely, that. absolutely. I mean, I think you know, even as hitters, you know, when you're, um, you know, not up to a batter, you know, you're sitting on the bench and watching the game, you can kind of tell what the pitcher's going to be throwing in that moment, and like it, it's, I mean, you, you've probably heard it before, where, um, all right, what do you think he's going to throw right here? And then you're like, all right, slider, and then he throws a slider, and like, so he told you, um, but then you're like, when you go to the plate, like, wow, I, I can tell what the pitcher's going to throw to every batter. Um, you know, when I'm watching the game, why can't I do that when I'm playing the game or right up to the bat? So, 
Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's definitely something different where, um, you know, when you're focusing in on the game and understanding the, the speed of the game and the situations, um, it, it, you can kind of tell what, you know, could happen. Well, that's like the cliche of slow the game down, right? Isn't it the yeah, best players exactly. or the ones maybe who in the box can make mm -hmm. those analyses where well, I'm telling you, Keston, come up to the press box. The game is so slow. You can tell, I'm, you it's know easy. exactly it's what's going on. It's so easy. I'm in the press box right now and I'm watching some pirates hits right, hit, hit right now. And I'm like, and look how easy, easy it look is. How easy that is. Oh, come on. <laughs> I can do that. Hey, but Keston, I'm up here in the press box for real. And they just gave a, a, a tour of the stadium. And I asked a 10 year old kid named Michael. He's a big Brewers fan. And I asked him, I said, hey, I'm going to talk to Keston here. Is there anything that you want me to ask him? And he said, I want to know all about, and he stressed all, all about your first home run. Ooh, my first home run. First home run was in Atlanta um, against uh, Mike fulton uh, It was a day game. It was hot. <laughs> it was. It, I think it's what, probably in the summertime or just beginning of summertime, but down in Atlanta in the south, it, it gets pretty hot there. Um, so it, it was – uh, yeah, he just left a, a slider hanging. Luckily, hit it into our bullpen, so it didn't have to do any negotiations to, to kind of get the ball back or anything <laughs> that like that. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, um, I, honestly, I didn't think I got it. You know, I hit it pretty low, hit a line drive, and uh, it kind of just kept going and going. And, um, you know, the, the, sh the wall out in left field that goes over the bullpen is kind of short, too, so that probably helped as well. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, that, that was the very first home run. Um, I can't remember what how many games in it was, but um, – but yeah, I mean, that, that, that was the first one against Mike Fulnevich. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll forgive you for not knowing how many <laughs> games into the season that was. But no, that's cool. Thank you for that. Do you still have the ball, Keston? And do you have other memorabilia? Like, are you a collector? Uh, yeah, I mean, shoot. My, I think, the, let's see. I mean, I do have the, I have the home run ball. I have my first hit. Um, I have a lineup card from the debut. Um, but yeah, I mean, over the years, you know, I've collected memorabilia. Um, I remember my dad. Uh, for like my birthday gifts, you know, growing up, he, he would give me some some autograph stuff, and um, you know, definitely kept a lot of those, and um, you know, have them up in my place now. And um, yeah, no, I'm always a fan of memorabilia. I, I've been meaning to make more of an emphasis on uh, you know getting more players in the games to to kind of sign stuff because I mean, um, you know, everyone's career, you know, you never know what what could happen at any point in time, and um, but just to, just be able to get to know them and. And meet them and uh, play against them and you know watch what they do from from afar. It, it's definitely special and uh, you know not many opportunities you get to you know to go up to someone and ask for an autograph. Do you collect baseball cards, or did you? I I did. I do not anymore. I do, did. How many baseball cards of yourself do you think there are? <laughs> oh, I, mean, I have shoot, one, <laughs> and I think you have more than that. <laughs> shoot, I mean by. How many like uh, you know fans that come up with with different cars asking for autographs? I mean, it's I swear it's they probably come with at least like ten new ten every year. That's awesome. Um, so there's probably a plethora of them out there. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely it's it's always it's always been fascinating. Uh, you know the the baseball card game. You know I used to collect them when I was younger, and um, you know with all my cousins and friends, you know kind of compare and you know play some different games with them as well. But uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely uh, lost kind of interest in, in collecting them over the years. All right, let me ask you this. Since you know about baseball cards, so back in the day, this is about the only way you could find out anything about a baseball player, right? Like there wasn't a whole lot mm -hmm. of stuff out there. You'd look and you'd see their stats on the back, and some of the cards would have obscure facts. Mm -hmm. um, so I looked up <laughs> a few of these. Frank Thomas, 
he had a card that said his freshman year at Auburn, he had three catches for 45 yards as a tight end. So that's that's interesting. Uh, Brewers legend Moose Haas has a card that says he's a Ooh. black belt in Taekwondo, also an amateur magician and certified what? locksmith. Yeah, these are real things. Uh, Howard That's Johnson impressive. won a co-rib eating contest. So I'm going to ask you, what would be something <laughs> obscure that's not yes. even baseball related? Wow. Doesn't have to be baseball related. Uh, that would that people don't know that would be on the back of one of your cards. Oh man, I mean, I hate getting put on the spot with because like I said, my memory ain't, ain't the best. I can't even think about myself. I mean, aside from obviously telling the future, but um, <laughs> that is a good one. That's actually a really good. File that under amateur magician. <laughs> when we used to, when Ned Yost was manager of the Brewers, and we would ask a question, and he, you know, didn't like it, or it was about what might happen, he'd say, "Let me consult my crystal ball." Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, yeah, I mean, he, it's like little yep, did we know we'd meet that. someone who yeah. has one. <laughs> it could be I movies live, live, or video I live games. A, I live a boring life. I mean, hobbies. Uh. Enjoy golfing, not that good. I mean, it's very sporadic. Um, well, that puts you in a category with like seven thousand other big leaguers. <laughs> no, Jeff, I mean, shoot, I. Did you have perfect attendance in high school? Did you? Nope. Were you in the beta club? Nope. <laughs> I, I, I live a boring life. Not, yeah, thanks, thanks, Tim. It makes me I know, reflect sorry. on my life and. No, we'll edit it all out. Know, my, my, well, my life I'll, is boring. I'll, I'll redirect us, Keston, because I, uh, on the last homestand and then again at Dodger Stadium, got to run into your family. And there's like a hundred of them when they come to the game. Um, And I love them. And especially your mom, who I think fans got to know a little bit through Mm -hmm. you shared sort of her health battle in um was it during the pen it was during the pandemic right that she was battling uh no it was begin. well beginning of last year beginning of so last year. 2021 so she was yeah. battling lymphoma um mm-hmm. how's she doing and you know tell me tell me if i'm out of bounds by saying this you've dealt with some adversity over the last couple of seasons how has that experience and watching her fight influenced you like as a as a man as a baseball player mm-hmm yeah, so she's doing great. I mean, she's she's done, all done with her chemo and um, in remission. She's so she's doing awesome. Um, I think we're kind of having like a, a challenge whose hair can kind of grow faster. So, um, but no, I mean, uh, she's doing awesome. It, it was it was really good to see all of them out, obviously out in L.A. Um, you know, that was kind of really my first uh, official kind of L.A. game um, out there playing in front of the fa- family and friends. Uh, first time we're out there was COVID year uh, during the playoffs, and so no fans. Uh, and then last year, um, you know, I think I got option like rec four or something. Uh, but anyways, uh, but yeah, no, she, she's doing awesome. I mean, from you know, moment everything kind of happened. Um, I remember in like December of 2020, she was just very uncomfortable. She couldn't sleep. Um, her body just felt uncomfortable and like having a hard time breathing. And she was just trying to figure out what kind of what's going around, uh, going on uh, within her and. Uh, once she finally did, um, she's like, "All right, immediately start. Let's start this chemo and get it over with because <laughs> it can't. I can't feel any worse than I do right now, anyway." So um, she started it, and uh, throughout the whole process, I mean, I never heard her once like complain. Obviously, you know, uh, away during season and stuff, and um, not not physically there. But I mean, every time I talked to her, she never really complained about uh, her being tired or you know the side effects or um, kind of everything else going on. So. That was kind of my whole thing, you know. As long as she wasn't freaking out or 
panicking or anything like that, then I was I was good to go. And um, you know, I think a lot of people can say, oh, you know, he had uh, you know a tough year because you know his mom was going through a lot of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, I think uh, she was a reason. You know, I kind of kept going. Um, you know, regardless of the results. And uh, like I said, like as long as she wasn't panicking or you know going through really hard times, you know, I wasn't going to go through those those times with her. So. Uh, but no, I mean, she's she's awesome. She's one of the strongest people ever, and um, yeah, and then even to this day, she she still never complains about anything that ever happened. Um, so I mean, as if she's doing that, then you know, what do I got to complain about? Well, that's really cool. It's always good to see them. How how is she watching games? Is she a calm mom or is she a uh, intense tiger mom? Oh no, she's pretty calm. I, mean, I think if anything, my my dad's probably the one that he gets he gets pretty like superstitious or nervous or. Like he'll like put his hat over his face. I think there's a video of him putting his hat over his face or something. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, uh, my my family, you know, they're the biggest support system I have, and um, you know, it goes into you know extended family as well. That they're always um, you know praying for me, always, always doing, uh, wishing me the best, and, um, and like I said, it's always good to see them. You know, especially when you know make it home to California, or you know they make it out to uh, some of the mid outs Milwaukee or. Um, you know, trips elsewhere. You know, I'll see them out in Arizona as well. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they they they're we're we're really close, and um, to be able to get that continued support from afar, and um, you know, know that they're still always going to be there for me, for no matter what. It, it's it's an awesome feeling. Well, I got two things, and there's not a question; it's more of a comment for you, Keston. From what I've gotten from our time, and I know it's about up. Um, number one, you're surrounding yourself with some pretty amazing people. Um, and you have that support group and every baseball player that you see on the field has their support group that they that helped them get there as part of their success. So I'm so glad that you highlighted that. And number two is perspective. The perspective that you have shown uh, in the dugout, on the field, off the field um, is is pretty inspiring. So just want to say thank you for being on the pod and, and, yeah, uh, and sharing with us. Yeah, of course. I appreciate that. It's kind of words, Tim. Yeah, thanks, Keston. We we appreciate your time as always, and and all all throughout the year. So, um, hopefully, the free Keston people on social media will enjoy our chat, and I'm sure you hear them, even though you don't want to talk about, <laughs> don't like to, but but the people are uh, people are definitely supporting you, and, and they want to see more of you. So we'll see how uh, how it, how it rolls out the next couple of weeks. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Pretty good stuff from Keston there, guys. I mean. He's a pretty easy guy to like on this team. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I love um, the story of his mom. and his, his, his parents are great. And we see him like at Dodger Stadium or sometimes in the tunnel here. They're the, like the nicest people. And you can just tell he comes from a good family. And, and he's been, you know, like I asked him, he's, he's been through uh, the Ryan Braun buzzwords, the adversity. Uh, Braun used to talk about that all the time. Keston here has really been through it. Uh, the last couple of years, it didn't go the way he wanted and he made some changes and now he's getting an opportunity to produce. So I obviously love sto- good stories and I think his is a good story. And I think we'll have more people as in, you know, guests on this podcast because <laughs> yeah. right now you're a guest on the podcast. You're going to go out and hit a walk off home run. Uh, that's how I see it. No, but Keston, I, I think it's pretty amazing just the way he handles everything. I mean, just showing that kind of maturity at such a young age and um, dealing with the baseball life um, and life in general, it's very hard. But very specifically, going back to the walk-off homer, um, 
he had a one-two count, and he swung at a slider that was down and away, out of the zone. It probably was going to be a ball, but he didn't know that because the strike zone was garbage <laughs> yesterday. And <laughs> what's he do? He gets another slider and hits a bomb. So let that be a lesson to you. Do not throw five sliders in a row to this man. Well, it also, like last night when we were talking to him late, um, he was talking through that at bat and it, you know, how he told us about his crystal ball. <laughs> he saw each pitch of that at bat unfold and kind of called each pitch in his head. So he said, sometimes it's easier to do from the bench, not as easy to do in a big spot. But last night was an example of where he was doing it. I was thinking of that as he that's was so cool. kind of walking us through the at bat last night that he kind of saw each pitch coming. So did that's a wink? good sign of a hitter being in a good spot. Did he wink and nod? Like <laughs> I told you guys. <laughs> uh, I was thinking I was and, too. And at bat that started with a bunt. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Don't bunt hit dingers. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, Keston here showed. There's no good reason to bunt when you can just hit bombs. He's playing himself into, you know, an interesting position going into the next year. I don't know where they see him fit. They do not see a spot. I mean, they don't see a great spot in the field for him. So that's a problem. And they're going to, you know, the DHO offers opportunity, but there's others who maybe you want to DH. So they have a, they have a pretty critical decision, I think, to make this winner when his uh, he's played really well, which means he could play really well for the Brewers, or maybe they, you know, I don't know. His value is very high right now. And um, it's, I think it's going to be, a, he, he's one of the players that's high on my list of like what to do with for 2023. I know there's still 2022 left. I don't mean to get. Well, and even focusing on 2022, one of the guys who was kind of a roadblock at a position that Keston can play pretty well is Rowdy Telez. I mean, Rowdy obviously having a good season, putting up good numbers from the first base spot. Um, and also, um, you know, uh, kind of taking some leaps forward in terms of his defense. But of course he injures his knee coming around, which opens the door for Keston to come into that game before he can even play hero originally out of the lineup. So that could give him playing time down the road and a huge spot for him to fill. But if he fills that adequately, that could really open up some possibilities for him next season. Yeah. Early, early word on Rowdy last night was uh, that this is the same thing he dealt with last year, that knee tendonitis. And they think it kind of scared him more than it actually injured him. That was the early word last night. So obviously we'll know more pretty soon after people listen to this podcast about what it looks like going forward. But, but you're right. It could at least open more time for, for Hira and you know, those reverse splits make it make sense. Reverse reverse. Yeah. People forget Kesson had to enter the game in the top of the fourth uh, for Rowdy had a couple of strikeouts and then played hero. Um, I, you know, yeah, I don't want to look too far ahead as far as next season. I think he's going to be an impact player this season. Um, his barrel percentage is up. His walk percentage is up. There's a thing called sweet spot percentage. <laughs> Didn't know that existed. I'm an analyst. I probably should have. But that's up. His average exit velocity is up. Like what he's doing at the plate um, as far as how he's hitting baseballs, he's hitting them harder than pretty much any other time in his career, even his rookie season. So um, what he's doing now is taking advantage of the moments. He's made good adjustments. And you know what? The only thing I think in a lot of ways is Rowdy's defense is superb. 
It really is. Um, not to say that Kesson's is bad, but Telez's is that good. But you got to find a place for Kesson here right now. He has to be in the lineup. All right. Well, there was another hero in last night's game. And he might be, to a lot of fans, the hero of the clubhouse right now because the team's 3-0 and with Garrett Mitchell. When we come back, we're going to talk about his debut, his first home run, all his big moments, and give our Brewers X-Factor down the stretch. Stick around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. You know, fans were clamoring for a AAA call-up. They wanted Sal. They wanted Bryce. They got Garrett. And Garrett Mitchell has been a spark for this Brewers team so far. The guys have really rallied around him. And, you know, he's the fans have been really excited by him. He's had a lot of exciting moments already in just two starts. Uh, they're 3-0 and in the three games he's on the roster. How surprised were you, Tim, by the Garrett Mitchell getting the call up? Well, I mean, they like you've already said, there's a there was a plethora of outfielders they could have mm. called up. <laughs> as many words as I mean, many times we can fit the word plethora into a podcast. We need to do that. Um, but he's been good, and what's amazing is that it doesn't really. You know, I don't want to say it's not him. It, it's basically anybody, anybody making a debut, anybody getting the firsts of things. Um, players celebrate. It, it's just a spark across the board. They don't care if you're a pitcher, reliever, um, you get your first win, whatever that is. It doesn't matter if you've been there five years and finally get your first whatever. Uh, players know it, they celebrate it, they love it, and it sparks a clubhouse. Garrett Mitchell has gone out there and had a lot of firsts. He's just passing out hologram stickers like it's nothing <laughs> right now. Home run, uh, the walk, the stolen base without a pitch. Um, he's got four RBIs and two hits. And one thing that probably stood out to me probably more than anything is the base hit against the Cubs, the, the two out, two RBI single. He got to second base before Omar Narvaez could score from second base. <laughs> and he has a lead. You know what I'm saying? Like he has a lead. He's running on contact. And Garrett Mitchell makes it to second base before he gets to home. That just shows how explosive and fast this kid is. He's super talented and absolutely fun to watch out there. Yeah, 80-grade speed is always going to be fun to watch because there's not a lot of humans on this earth who can go that fast. Adam, were you expecting a different name, or was Mitchell on the... <laughs> you know I was, yeah. which is why you're leading me into this. Yeah. <laughs> because we talked about it at Dodger Stadium because I ha I was convinced... That someone was going to show up on that last day at Dodger Stadium um, where they felt like they just needed a... I, I am not a fan of the make a move just to make a move movement, which I know happens a lot. Like sometimes it feels like a team's going really bad and it's like, do something and do something sounds really satisfying on the sidelines. It is not the way to run a team. It's not the way they make decisions. They're, it just doesn't work that way. It's a fan thing, not a front office thing. Um, but look, Asturia Ruiz is on the 40. 
Uh, Bryce Terang has to be added to the 40 this fall to be protected from Rule 5. Sal uh, is, Sal Freelich is like the one absolutely tearing it up the most at AAA like he's done it at every level this year. So if I had to like, if you had to say like, give me your list of potential call-ups, who's it going to be? Mitchell's at least fourth. There's Joey Weimer in there too. Mitchell's not played much um, this season really because of some injury stuff. So he would not have been on my radar. He was not on my radar. And um, I tell you guys, I mean, I say this all the time, trade deadline, uh, off-season signings, Whatever decision they make, they're gonna they're gonna zig when you think they're when you're sure they're gonna zag. Like they always do something that you don't think. And in Mitchell's case, it's like who's the player who can come up and have the most impact? And probably we should have seen it because he was playing center field so much right before the call up. Um, and he he's really good out there when he's healthy, which has been his if or when whatever you want to say. That's been his thing so far as a pro player. When he's healthy. He really is a, is a great player. And we saw it in that spring. It's just spring training, but a couple springs ago where he sort of took over spring training was a glimpse of, like, this guy can handle big league pitching. He loves the moment. Um, and it's, he's getting an opportunity now to uh, to show off kind of all of his skills. Yeah. I, like you, in my power ranking of prospects I thought was going to come up, he was four of four. And I don't mean that as an insult. It no. was just... Just the know, circumstances. I, I, y'all have some apologizing to do when you see him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I'm a big Garrett Mitchell fan, so he he knows that. I've been sending him every picture of every moment that happens. Oh, so. they're going to say baseball cards <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please, Mr. Uh, Mitchell, sign my card. <laughs> sure, I'll sign you, baby. <laughs> but... Yeah, it just was one of those circumstances where, like Adam explained, it just didn't seem, based on everything else that was surrounding him, like that was going to be what happened. But, you know, even when you're trying to predict the zig, you still can't predict the zig. They like double zig. I know. Even when you purposely predict a zig, you get the wrong zig. Yeah. Maybe it's called a zog. Maybe we need to add a new one. <laughs> so, look, I, you know, and this fits his story, which I love, too, because he talked about it last night kind of unprompted. He's always his whole career been told what's not going to happen, what he can't do. Uh, at 10 years old, he was diagnosed as type one diabetic. And people told him like this sort of, you know, don't dream about being a big leaguer because this is going to present some really big challenges for you. And you have you have other things that are, you know, you can do. And uh, he just went out. He always kind of uses that. You can tell he uses that doubt. And his dad told me that last night, too. I got to see the family in the tunnel outside. It was it was great. And I shared some of it in the story that's on uh, Brewers.com today. Um, but his dad said, you all, you know, he's always had to prove people wrong. And his dad's advice to him, which I thought was really cool. And I'm just remembering it. I didn't put it in the story. I wish I would have. What his dad told him last night is, you don't have to prove anyone wrong anymore. Now all you have to do is prove the Brewers right. And I thought that was a cool line and cool advice from dad. I should have, I should have put that in the I story. also got to see his family yesterday, and I got to apologize to dad for putting him sobbing in the stands all over social media. <laughs> yeah, but Mitchell says that's not his dad's a uh, not not necessarily at the field, but he's like, that's not the new dad cries all the time. So he's he's a softie. Probably when watching yeah, We Bought uh, a Zoo. He was not thrilled, I think, <laughs> to have it on <laughs> social but at least Garrett's sister was like, no, it was perfect. I'm glad it's there. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, a cool family. There's that. So uh, we talked about his speed. We talked about kind of his story. What else excites you about him, Adam? 
Well, I guess what excites me is that like they did something to bring in a player. Um, it was time, I think. And, and like I said, I, I, I respect how hard it is to, to find the time to make kind of a, a bold move like they did because it's really easy from up in the press box to say they need a move and they need to bring in an outfit. They need to bring in a center fielder when it's, when you're not the one who has to decide who, what are the implications for the rest of the 40 man roster? What does that mean for down the road? Is it going to be the right move for the player? Are they going to be able to produce? Is this going to stunt their development because they come up and fail because they're not ready? All of those things we don't have to worry about when we're sitting up high and watching this all unfold where David Stearns and Matt Arnold and Craig Council, they do have to worry about those things. Um, but I would just say, like, watching the team, feeling the vibe a little bit, it was it was time for something like this. And um, they made a, an outside-the-box, at least from what we all expected, move. And the early results have been really good. And, and uh, some of the guys have been talking – Back to Wrigley, I think of Brent Suter talking about how we're trying to be more connected. We're trying to do more things away from the field. And last night, Suter said it again, and he's almost like a dad with a teenager. He's like, we're trying to get everybody off their phones <laughs> to like pay attention to each other a little bit. And it was it was an interesting way to put it. So now there's a pop a shot in there. Uh, I think they have their fantasy football draft coming up. They're just trying to be connected like Craig Council always preaches and I think like Tim was saying, when you bring up a guy who's having these cool moments and you're celebrating them together, like for the guy, that adds to that. So, the, the, you know, I don't, we'll see whether that translates to enough wins to kind of dig out of the hole they fell into in, in much of August. But they're in a good place right now as far as like being together in this. And um, Keston Hira said last night, basically to paraphrase, like, being an underdog can sometimes be like the kick in the butt that you need um, being behind. And right now they're a little behind and uh, they've got a kind of a good uh, cohesiveness going right now. And, and Mitchell's been a big part of that. I like the uh, put the phone down thing, right? Yeah. Like if, Is that what like, you say like 500 times a day? Exactly. Kids put your phones away. Yeah. I mean, but back in the day that wasn't the case. You didn't have a smartphone. So you just played cards all the time and played different games in the clubhouse. And that was, yeah. you just, it was called normal. Uh, and now it's like, man, you got to, we're looking at our phones way too much. Um, but at, right now you need to subscribe to this podcast. You need to <laughs> retweet this tweet, retweet all the brands, yeah. social media posts, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. put your iPhone down sent for my, yeah. uh, no, yeah, I, I, that totally makes sense. Good for them because you know, it's, it, it's a long season. You can't say put your phone away like for six months, but Hey guys, it's down the stretch right now. It's all about us and the guys in this room. Um, I think that's awesome. Good for them. Yeah. Um, by the way, you know who has the record in the Papa shot? Brent Suter. Yep, Suter B. <laughs> I went in and asked the guys, and they're like, Suter. Of course it's Suter. <laughs> he was like the scorekeeper for a while, but now they have this digital scoreboard in the clubhouse, and at the bottom it says Brent Suter is no longer the official score because he thought it looked bad <laughs> that he's <laughs> The official scorekeeper, but also number one. So he wanted to get out of there so he could remain number one with no um, no uh, accusations of shenanigans. All right. We're going down the stretch. Who's your Brewers X factor, Tim? I think they need Luis Arias to break out. I think he's been playing a ton. He missed a month, and then it's almost like he's played nonstop. I don't know if he's tired or what, but when he starts producing like we've seen him do and that he's proven to do, um, 
I think you're going to see this team on another level because right now he's bringing his glove, which his glove has been phenomenal. Um, but his bat, his production right now is is not doing a whole lot, and he's not known for getting a whole bunch of walks. So um, for him, I, I would like to see him be the X factor for me. I think it's just that simple of him going up there and having good at bats and getting on base that's going to be the difference maker. Your X factor, Adam? Oh, well, Brad, I hope I don't steal yours because you always let us go first and then share one. But I think it's Devin Williams. He's had to really grind through some outings lately, and he's getting the job done mostly. And he did um, on Monday night against the Pirates, but it took a lot of pitches. There's not as much swing and miss as we're used to seeing from him. Uh, He's, you know, it, it looked last night like he was dialing back on the fastball when he was struggling to locate it early. There were like, there was a batter where he was throwing a bunch of 89 mile an hour fastballs, which is four miles an hour under usual. Um, so it's not, he's doing okay. He's doing the job, but you can tell he's just trying to get through whether it's this late season dog days of August type of thing, um, settling into this role still. He's, he's just getting, you can just feel like he's getting through some things. And if he does, and he's great Devin Williams, because this is not a team recent results excluded that scores a ton of runs. They're going to have to win some three-to-one games, a lot of them. And I think he's going to be an X-factor. For me, the Brewers' X-factor down the stretch is the fifth pitcher. They're in kind of a mix right now. Jason Alexander's getting the spot start. Hauser had it last time. Um, all season, they've dealt with injuries in that position. Uh, for a team that's rotation is its strong point. You know, that's a really hard, important spot to have, especially because, you know, that can be where streaks start or end. So it's, to me, really important for the Brewers to have that success from that spot. Not perfection, just success, right? Like you don't expect your... Exactly. And you don't expect your fifth starter to be Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. Those guys, I mean, Corbin's in a rough patch, but Woodruff and Peralta at least, you know, doing what we expected them to do coming into the season now. So you just need that fifth spot to be reliable. And I think that's going to be very important, especially because that's going to determine how fresh the bullpen is. That's going to determine how long losing streaks go. That's going to have a bunch of implications because of kind of how that plays out. That's a great point, Brad. (laughs) That's actually probably the biggest X factor, at least for the regular season, right? Because you don't really need a fifth starter per se for playoffs. But I mean, what, four or five? Possibly six more starts for the fifth man. I don't know if it's going to be six. I feel like it'll be four or five. Yeah, I think four but or five. But starting Jason Alexander um, instead of Hauser, and Hauser kind of piggybacking, is that the plan, Adam? Is that what they've Yeah, I think so. Right now, How, uh, Alexander gets this turn, but remember, next week there's a doubleheader. Next week already? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Giants. Next week, yeah. Thursday. Next week, yeah. So there's a doubleheader in there, and then there's just, yeah, yeah there's there, it's, a, it's a heavy-ish schedule. Um, so they definitely will need innings there. Yeah, they're going to... Kind of go back and forth. Council said yesterday, we're going to get starts. We're going to need starts from Adrian Hauser. Um, so the, those I, guys are all going to be involved. I like this. I like this. It's almost like, hey, we need one of you to step up, and we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. And for Jason Alexander in particular, getting stuck in the bullpen with the mop-up innings, and he's done a great job with mop-up innings, right? When the yeah. game's out of hand in the fourth, he has to go out there and throw three. 
Uh, that's that's a big deal. Um, and so he's done his job. He's now earned another start, and I think you're going to see something pretty amazing from him. Of course, if you're listening to this on Thursday, <laughs> and I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I, as a pitcher who's <laughs> kind of done that, at least in the minor leagues, like bounce back from bullpen and finally get that start again, like it just – Man, it recharges your batteries. You're sitting there like, got it. Here we go. This is my game. I got something to prove. Um, it's it's a fun moment to be at. So I'm I'm happy for him and for Hauser. You know, he's going to get his chance too. But sometimes you need that mindset of being in the bullpen, going, listen, you can't just throw get me overs, right? You can't just throw to be throwing because I'm a starter, and if I give up a couple, I can throw six or seven more innings. No, you have to be on top of your game. So I think this is going to be beneficial for both. So sorry to to run on that brad but i thought that was your x factor is probably the best the best one i appreciate it seth mcclung made like cult figure status on that role remember seth mcclung in 2008 oh yeah yeah he never had to buy another drink in milwaukee based on being that little (laughs) x factor guy in big red well tim said jason alexander is going to come in recharge jason alexander no hitter incoming (laughs) can't wait to watch it all right we gotta take another break when we come back it's dead of the week time This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. It's everybody's favorite moment. Wait, no. Second favorite moment because we didn't have trivia this week. Thank God. I know that's what everyone really looks forward to is listening to Adam and Tim clearly sweat over audio. So bad. You can see a sweat. I just broke out into a sweat right now. Yeah, audibly sweat, not visually sweat. (laughs) I I mentioned it. They're having PTSD. They haven't had their counselor sessions this week. So, all right, guys. Tim, you have two. I'm going to start and let you do one and then go to Adam and then come back to you. So, Tim, give us your first stat of the week. First stat of the week. All right. My stat of the week is 10. Ooh. 10. 10. 10 is the amount of cutters that O'Neill Cruz saw in three at-bats against Corbin Burns on Monday. Eight of those 10 were cutters at the very bottom of the zone, and the 10th one was crushed into the second deck in right field. I was just going to say hit to Kenosha. Yeah. So I just, I brought that out because I was looking at it. I had to go back and look at the other bats just to make sure. But for whatever reason, the, the scouting report that they were going after O'Neill Cruz was cutters down in the zone. And he repeated it over and over and over again till O'Neill Cruz saw a 10th one and it was a good pitch. And he went out of the zone at the bottom of the zone and got it and crushed it. Um, anyway, I'm not even sure why I made that the stat of the week. It's just you keep going to the well the same time over and over and over again. Eventually, somebody's going to, you know, figure it out, whatever the analogy is for that. Yeah, I have I was talking to you. I had my back to the field in the press box. I was talking to Tim and I heard that sound and I never turned around. I just knew what it was. 
You ducked. You ducked is what it was. <laughs> yeah. That ball Happy is coming somewhere and is going to hurt whoever it lands on top of. <laughs> yeah. You know there's a kid in right field going, I have, I'm not going to get a ball. It's like, here, catch that one. It's like, nope. <laughs> Takes the glove off with him. Like, you're never it playing happens. baseball again. Yeah. Adam, stat of the week. Stat of, Give it to us. Stat of the week is two, which is the number mm-hmm. of new players who will be called up on Thursday. September 1st, in a year where the Brewers would probably really benefit from the old way, where you can bring as many, you can bring whoever you want on the 40 man roster, they could bring up Asturi Ruiz to like run. He's already on the 40. Great pinch runner, play the outfield. They could, if they want to add Bryce Terang, like we said, you have to add him in the offseason anyway. Bring him up, backup infielder. If something happens with Jace Peterson's elbow, he's, since he comes back from the IL. Um, but no longer can you bring up all 40. You're, you're limited to a 28-man roster after 26, and you can only have 14 pitchers, so probably one will be a pitcher, one will be a position player, and I have no idea who either of them is going to be. <laughs> I was just going to try to uh, twist your arm and get you to give us predictions. but <laughs> No idea. I mean, like in the old days when it's all 40, you always bring up a catcher. Well, now you have two good catchers. Maybe you want to use those spots somewhere else. Maybe, ter- I mean, my guess would be, I, I'm just stuck on Bryce Terrain. I really want to see him in the big leagues. He's, he's playing, they're moving him around now at AAA. So he's playing short, second, third, center field. So you can find uses for that guy. And he's hit, I mean, he's done it all. So he, he's my one. And then on the pitching side, I just don't know. God, Trevor Gott's not going to be ready yet. He could really help them in September. He, he's been really, when, when he's healthy, he's been really good. But I asked if he could be ready Thursday because he's throwing again. No. So it'll be someone else at first. Ethan Small. I don't know. Jake Cousins. They've not shown any rush to get him up here. Luis Perdomo, um, Justin Topa. Those are the guys' Trevor names Kelly. on the 40, man. Yeah. So it. I think the pitching spot's going to fluctuate and just gives him one more flexible spot. All right. But uh, on the hitter side, I, I just I'm I'm curious. I'm, I'm taking I'm calling a home run shot here. Okay. Pitcher side, Zach Brown. Really? Yeah, he's had a good relief out or some good relief stints. Okay. Now, do I fully believe in what I'm saying? No, not especially. But if I'm right, I want it on audio. Okay. Because it's That's such an <laughs> obscure call. <laughs> you know what you should do? You should be like, I think they're gonna call up, and then we'll leave it blank. And, and, then and then after just it we'll in just later. go back and add it. Ezra can go I think in later. Call up and be like, <laughs> <"Durang."> yeah. <laughs> on Thursday when we know. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that'll make uh, this something to look forward to for the series in Arizona. New players. All right. I I am passing on my stat of the week to give Tim his second stat of the week. Oh wow! I just said I would give a second stat if I Tim. You don't have one, or you? No, I I did a lot of work, but I'm graciously allowing you to take this. (laughs) Sure. Um, Keston Hira. First, I wrote it down. That's what I'm reading. First brewer since Jesus Aguilar in Mm. 2018 to have two walk-off homers in the same season. The only brewer to have three walk-off homers in one season was... Uh, oh my God! What a great trivia question, Manny Pena. Oh, I thought you were supposed—I thought you were supposed to know that, Manny Pena. Uh, can I guess if it's not Pena? It's not Is Manny it, Pena. According, it's not Manny Pena. Yeah, I will say um, 
What a good question. Let me give you I'm the gonna... year. Okay. 1991. 1991. Oh. No one. The, the, a team didn't really exist in 1991. John Jaha. <laughs> what? Uh that was actually not a bad guess. That was a pretty good yeah. guess. 1991. Um, Daryl Hamilton. Robin Young. Oh, it oh. was the obvious. I they, never expected dude. it would be the obvious answer. <laughs> well, it, it went way too long, and I'm like, this is awkward. I should just break y'all up and say, hey, who it is. I just no, that never one came from expected. Don Petronio, the stat wizard. Yeah, you, that's great. I thought it was really cool because I mean, you start talking about walk off homers, and you're you know, I feel like we've seen a bunch. They've been from different guys, but. Keston having two of those makes you start wondering. All right. This podcast is so positive. It makes people sick. So what are we going to do after a rough month of August? We're going to find a positive. Adam, (laughs) who's your player of the month for August? Oh, I thought we were going to do least valuable player and just bring it down. No, 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 no. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think it's probably rowdy. But I'm gonna I'm going to uh, zig when well you guys zag and say rowdy and uh, I am going to choose the raptor the vulture <gasps> yeah good one Brent Suter ten games in August twelve and a third innings one four six ERA um, he's pitched really well and he's still not that pleased with the way he's throwing the ball it's not been the year he wanted uh, early he was kind of struggling and Hobie Milner stepped into that sort of middle role for a lefty. Now Hobie Milner is kind of scuffling and Suter has picked it up and he's been like that outing on Monday night. We've talked about this before. The middle reliever gets no love, but that game was saved basically by Brent Suter with two scoreless um, and gave the Brewers a chance to come back. So he's pitched some, some pretty important innings in August to keep a bad month from becoming a worse month. And really, since the All-Star break, he has a one ERA in 14 games. Sorry, I wrote all this down last night. He's oh, did I just take your guy? No, no, no. I just thought that was a great one. Uh, he's 4-0 with 17 and a third innings pitch. He's only given up two earned runs and has 16 Ks. Um, and honestly, he could be more than 4-0. I mean, there's a few games they could have gone a certain way. He could be like 7-0 since the All-Star break. So He doesn't love the term, the vulture, like, but the guy, I mean, Carbon Burns last night was just giving him all kinds of business. <laughs> there's this little plastic vulture... Uh, like figurine that they hang on his locker. It wasn't there last night. I don't think Suter loves that, but yeah. it's just, it's what happens. Oh, yeah. Well, it was kind of on him for coming out last year and saying, like, I don't want that to be my nickname. And then what were the guys going to do? Yeah. And then they get a, oh, next thing you know, they made him a shirt. But I mean, of course, he doesn't want to be the vulture. He's the ultimate team player. And the vulture is the guy who steals team accolades by (laughs) vulturing wins and vulturing moments. So, of course, he doesn't want to be the vulture. Well, it gets it's tied into because it starts when the guy comes in and gets like one out. Right. Like the reliever comes in, gets one out. And then suddenly he gets the win at the end of the game. That's usually the term where the guy came in and vultured it. He just flew by and snatched it and ran off with it. That's interesting, Tim, because I've actually I've been polling the clubhouse for a newsletter little entry. Maybe I'll do it this week about what is a vultured win, because everyone has their own little. You think it's a short outing that it results in a win. Some people for some people, you have to be down and you come in and pitch. No. And then you get a win for others. It's you have to give up the lead. You have to be the reliever who gives up the lead and then the team comes back to win. 
And that's a vulture. I've always, so everybody's got yeah, a definition. I was always taught. It's the guy that comes in, he gets one out. And then at the end of the game, he gets a win. Yeah. Okay. He just happened to get the out at the right time. It could be up or down or left or right or BA select start, but um, he just comes in, he gets one out, possibly two. Usually it's not, um, a very threatening situation. Like if you come in bases loaded and get one out, I'm not going to call you a vulture. <laughs> like you come in with bases loaded. Uh, that's a big deal, but usually it's more of a non-threatening situation. You kind of just get a guy out of an inning and then suddenly you get the W at the end. You kind of just fell into it is more or less, but if you go two scoreless, come on, you go two scoreless, you go through the order, entire batting order once like, no, you didn't vulture that one. you, you won it. Well, all of that was on the record and it's going to be in my newsletter. Thanks Tim. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Tim. Player of the month for August. Player of the month. Um, I, 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 I wrote down Willie Adamas. And the reason I did that is just I'm looking at his last like seven games. And he's, he has 11 hits. And, but what I love from him, even when he gets out, is there is a huge emphasis on center field and right field. For him going center field or oppo, which he has amazing power. So I started looking at his 11 hits. He has five to the pull side, and he has six center field or right field. I think that's where he's the best. This is, for me, this is one of the best months of just seeing him evolve from a guy that was, if the, the movie's called Deadpool, and then suddenly it's called, you know, Far and Away. Like, he's just turned over a new leaf, and it's, it's, it's produced. I mean, he's getting hits left and right, and even when he's out, he gets out, like yesterday, a couple of lineouts to center or to right field, and... I think that right there is going to benefit the team later on. But for me, just seeing that whole, I mean, the whole month of August was about him getting away from pulling the ball and start driving the ball to the right side. I'm very sorry, Rowdy. <laughs> I also am not picking you. Wow. Despite your seven bombs. He probably listens to the podcast. But I'm going to go Keston. Oh, yeah. Keston. Keston here. Keston's had big home runs that have won, won games. He had one in Chicago. He had the walk off. He's had six homers in his uh, time in August. And this is after coming back up from AAA, um, having to fight for regular playing time. He has a 994 OPS, and he still has a chance to get the 900 OPS that makes Ezra eat a shoe. Ooh, like a real shoe? We haven't really determined it. So uh, <laughs> it might be a gummy shoe. We'll see. I'll eat. But, I mean, Keston, you know, six homers, two game winners at least that I can recall. Uh, another big, a couple big ones that kept them in the games. So, that, uh, the, so Keston. Yeah. All right, Tim. Well, he's got four homers in his last 23 at-bats. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's all right, I think. You know, I, I, the science is out, but I think it's pretty good. All right. That's all we have for this week of Brewers Unfiltered. Thank you, as always, for listening. Don't forget to follow our host. You can find Adam McAlvey at Adam McAlvey on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and read his articles on Brewers.com. You can find Tim Dillard at Dim Tillard on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, watch him on the Brewers pre and post game show. Make sure you're following the Brewers on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And we'll see you next week.